Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by who else? BetOnline.ag. And look, if you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win that next championship, BetOnline has all the odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline. Your online sports book experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod today. I'm super excited because I don't know if you can get the waft through your speakers right now because it's fantasy football season. We're coming up with a ton of great content here on Bet on Chicago all this month of August. And what better way to kick it off than some good teammates and brothers at Believe Podcast Network? They are the hosts of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Let's first say hello to Sky Guasco. Hello, Sky. Really great to be on here, man. We're very, very excited to talk some fantasy football with you. Let's rock and roll. And your co-host, Bobby Lamarco. Bobby, such a pleasure. How are you? Yeah, pleasure's all mine, man. Thanks for having us. We're excited to talk some Bears and some fantasy football. We were, we were having a great time cutting it up before the pod began. We laid out a couple ground rules. We're not going to talk about Chris Bryant on the Giants. Uh, we're, they, they promised to go easy on me today, which I really, really appreciate. I love fantasy football. So let's just dive right in. Kind of came up with just a list of questions right now that are going on as preseason games are about to get underway. Drafts maybe still a couple weeks away. If you're drafting this weekend, I don't know what to tell you. Slow your roll just a little bit. Make sure you know. Make sure you know what you're doing. You're a little bit too early to the party. All right, the appetizers will still be there a couple weeks later. But let's just kick it off to Sky first. Big question that I have for you right now is that Saquon Barkley came off the pup list first day of practice today. If you go around the board, if you go to ESPN, some of the bigger websites, they got him around top five, top six. If you go to like Fantasy Pros, he's in the, I think, in the eight slot right now. So, Sky, where do you have Saquon Barkley right now? Because, man, that top five pick in fantasy, it is a sacred. It is a sacred place to be. It's a VIP lounge for fantasy football uh, teams and managers. What's, what's your take on Saquon right now? Well, Joey, you hit the nail on the head. It is a sacred land to be in with the top five pick. Unfortunately, I am very unpopular with my opinion right now, currently today, even with him back for one practice today, he is my running back 12 are, which I know ruffles some feathers and Bobby and I actually disagree on this one. And we've been at it a couple of times on our show here. It has nothing to do with Saquon. I say this all the time. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with the player. It's the situation, right? Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. If he was healthy, he'd be top three, maybe top two uh, with Dalvin cook there and CMC up at the top. The reality is, Torn ACL, I know it's not what it used to be, but it's still a big-time injury he needs to come back from. He also had an injury two years ago as well. The Giants' offensive line is a bigger issue for me than even Saquon himself. Ranked 32nd coming into 2021 by Pro Football Focus. Bottom eight in passing and run blocking. That's going to give me a big issue there. And then another big one to be a top five and top three, like the Saquon you want for him to return what he did in 2018 – he needs to have that reception total that Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, even Zeke Elliott can get in Dalvin Cook. With Eli Manning in 2018, he had seven and a half targets per game. With Daniel Jones, he had five and a half. That's two less per game, roughly 37 less targets over a 17-game pace. Nowadays, if that's the case, that's a tremendous drop in targets, not to mention a lack of receptions. For those re- I don't, I love Saquon Barkley. I hope he bounces back in a big way. I hope I'm wrong on this one. 
the gut feeling right now tells me I'm not. And with all these other guys, uh, Mixon, even Gibson, maybe Eckler, Chubb, um, Aaron Jones, I have all those guys ahead of him right now, CEH even. So right now he's number 12 for me, unfortunately. Bobby, Saquon Barkley just got in line at the top five Sky Lounge and Grill. Uh, he's looking for his name on the list. His name's not on the list, my friend. So Bobby, hop in. Where do you, uh, where, where you handicap Saquon Barkley right now? Because this is the first round, man. It is a crucial. You got to get this pick right. You can't get it wrong. So I disagree with Sky in the sense he's not at number 12. Uh, that means he probably is going to be in the, the top of the second round because you're probably looking at Devontae Adams and Travis Kelsey. So I, don't, I disagree to a certain extent. Even with Daniel Jones in 2019, the eight full games he played with him, he averaged 17.4 points per game and half point PPR. That 17.4 is would have been RB5 last year. So that's still elite production, even with the Daniel Jones. So I'm not completely fading Barkley. The one thing that does bother me about Barkley, the reason why I think he's more of a one-two turn, maybe an RB8-9 range, is because he only had three games over 16 points in the, in that stress. Yes, the points per game sounds nice, but when you dive into the numbers, he really was boomer boss with Daniel Jones because he had monster games, and then sometimes he just kind of fell into that, you know, 14-15 range, which is fine, but you're talking top five pick. We want that, you know, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook potential upside, and I don't see that with Barkley. So I'm okay with taking him after guys like Aaron Jones, Zeke Elliott, even Austin Eckler in half and full PPR. So I'm still taking him in the first round. Yeah, Austin Eckler was another guy I was thinking of, of a guy who was, I believe, top eight last year. Super talented guy, got off to a great start, but then got hurt. Didn't really, you know, he didn't finish up the year. And now you're kind of looking at him now and being like, well, how do we put a value on him right now? I brought up Saquon because it's such an interesting, let's just say philosophy, let's say game plan, whatever you want to call it, of a guy that they don't think, I mean, week one, if he plays week one, that would be great. Some people are saying they might hold him out till week three. I was talking to a buddy the other day. He brought up such a great point. Football injuries are going to find you on your fantasy roster this year. For you to actively go out and bring them onto your roster right away is something that is scary and terrifying. So, Sky, you know, what? what is your philosophy there? Because some people like to jump the market and maybe grab a guy who's going to be injured at a better value, thinking it's going to pay off in the end, and then whoopsie-daisy, we're one and three after week four. Joey, I try to stay away from the cliche things as often as I can. But since you hit the nail on the head once again, I'm going to bring it up. You can't win your draft in the first round. You definitely can lose it, though. Yes. And and you you this is another big part of this, which isn't like a statistical thing for me to bring up. But since you brought it up, I will compound on I am not going to find a person in the first round. Okay, that has lingering issues that are still an issue today. We're like two, three weeks out from actual football. He may or may not play in a week one or two or three. Even if he plays week one, are they going to slow him down? It's just going to reoccur. Can we count on him for 17 games? Look, any player in football can get injured at any given time, right? But knowing somebody is hurt coming in after two years of injuries, even as incredible as Saquon Barkley is with the other concerns that I have, just bumps him down the list. Now I know that because I have him so low I'm not going to have Saquon on any teams probably this year at all. And again, I might get burned by my opponents that have him if he is in fact Saquon Barkley. But right now, it just isn't comfortable enough for me to take him. So it is the concern of him coming in injured that is an issue with me on top of, again, the offensive line was bringing in Kenny Galladay. Bobby is our house Giants fan here, right? So, I mean, he's got the inside scoop a little bit more. But for me, just a bird's eye view on Saquon. I love who he is and what he's been for football. Unfortunately, it's been two rough years. I'd rather wait a year 
and you know eat it this year come back and hopefully he's top five again next i don't think we're gonna get any kenny galladay into the set list today um <laughs> i unfortunately I'm, I'm rooting for the guy but as an nfc north man myself um that that those numbers kind of maybe my eyes pop out of my head just a little bit uh before we move on uh to the next question here bobby i just want you to weigh in real quick because we're kind of talking a little bit about the same thing and i want to ask you about zeke zeke elliott yeah. now a guy who he man through top three top six what the last four or five years running i think whether he's in cabo or whether he's in shape or maybe whether he's a little injured or maybe things that are outside of his own power of offensive line and dac of last year i don't think you're always getting the return from zeke but now you're hearing all the reports from the opposite of what barkley is you know he's in shape he changed his diet the o-line is back once dac gets rolling wait until you see it you know where are you on zeke right now would you feel comfortable taking him in that top five top six range yeah, he's my RB4 uh, probably in fantasy right now. I think he's right after Derrick Henry. My biggest thing with Zeke is that, number one, that offensive line went to, you know, the wayside last year. But he's getting back guys like Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, even Connor Williams took another step. He's going to return. This offensive line is going to return to elite. Plus Dak Prescott last year in the first four weeks. That offense was just on fire. In 2019, he averaged 18 points per game. I mean, listen, that's elite in half-point PPR. So he offers you that, but also this offense as a whole. So I do an analysis where I analyze points per rush attempt. So how many fantasy points they generate every time they touch the ball. Zeke had an outlier season last year. It was way lower than his career norms. If he bounces back to that, he's going to be already up into the top eight range for points per game. Plus, that's all done without Dak. So I just think that he's probably closer to me as a lock, rock solid top five pick plus last year he had four less carries per game than his career average so if he gets closer to his career average of 20 carries per game versus 16 now we're talking derrick henry type numbers so that's why i like zeke as my rb4 definitely locked in, in the top five and i i feel like also his receiving yards are kind of going underrated a little bit the last couple of years he's always seems to be that one-dimensional guy but i think he had over 330 receiving yards last year which is a pretty damn good start for running back sky hop back in uh, where are you on zeke elliott um just because he seems to be that guy that maybe suffers from fantasy fatigue a little bit. You know, there's only so many times you can see Zeke and Julio Jones in the top 10, and you're just kind of like, shit, I'm doing this again. All right, let's let's rock and roll. Yeah, but I feel I feel more comfortable about it. I also have him at number four. Bobby mentioned he's got Derrick Henry ahead of him at number three. I'm going to take Alvin Kamara um, at number three, just different philosophies. But either way, Zeke's number four for me as well. Feels comfortable. I just wanted to mention, you, you mentioned he came in kind of slimmed down um, a little bit. He's come in a camp at about 218 pounds and that's the first time he's weighed that much since rookie year at ohio state he was a freshman in 2013 i bring it up it's kind of a silly thing to talk about like body mass and all this stuff but when you're talking about a, a back like zeke who in the nfl has been a bruiser he can run guys over he can run through guys he can run past guys he's a great pass catcher he's an all-around back for a back like that to lose weight you know almost 20 pounds and trim up when you're already in an all caliber athlete, there's nowhere for the weight to go. They're just transforming it into better muscle and which is better for his body, keeping him healthier and keeping the stamina up. Another big issue for Zeke last year was fumbles. He started wearing sleeves, which he never wore before started fumbling the ball, which is kind of not his game at all. Tony Pollard had a couple of good games and fantasy freaked out. And the reality is when Dak went down the entire team, you know, was a disaster, but he was still only 21 yards short of a thousand yards rushing again, led the league in rushing with 1400 plus just a couple years ago. I'm not worried about Zeke at all. And you know what, as, as down as I am on Saquon Barkley, I'm higher on Zeke than I think a lot of people, cause I'm not worried about it. And I'm ex I'm really excited for him to fall to, 
I'm, I'm mock drafting. He falls to five, six, seven every once in a while in PR because people are taking Adams, Hill, even Kelsey ahead of Zeke because they're concerned about it. I'll take the fade all day long. And I like Zeke's value too as well this year. And, you know, before we move on, obviously with the Saquon, Saquon Barkley, this is what's important for fantasy fans to just keep in mind is that it's not that we don't think Saquon Barkley is a bad football player. I think both of you guys have already said that pretty loud and clear. The dude's got talent to the sky and beyond, but I think the idea is risk management that high up in the draft and just what you think is going to happen this year in that moment to help you win your league in as many games as you can. So we've gone to the cream of the crop. Let's kind of go to the back end a little bit. We're going to start with Bobby here. You know, Bobby, maybe you've had a couple cocktails at this point. You know, maybe there's been some pizza. Uh, some, maybe there's some ribs going on. Your, your little cheat sheet, your projected rankings cheat sheet here. I just want to get to the sixth round and later. You know, for a lot of fantasy players, especially when they're maybe more on the novices, you're just going to kind of go down that list, right, and go, well, this is the 25th best guy. I'm going to take the 25th best guy. But once you get in that fifth, sixth, seventh round, this is where, you know, you kind of separate the the real deals from sort of the people that are just following the cheat sheets a little bit. So I want to dive in. We're going to talk about running backs and wide receivers. Pick one, whatever you want. We're looking sixth round and later. Just talk about some values and talk about some guys that you like a whole lot that you feel like you might be able to get with such great value that's really going to help out a fancy roster this year. I'm going to talk briefly about Jerry Judy first, and then I'm going to go into detail with Tyler Boyd. I just have to bring up Jerry Judy because the QB situation is still in flux. But last year, he was outside the top 100 in catchable target rate, target quality, and catch rate. That's insane. So he had no shot at producing last year. And if Teddy B comes in, I have a lot more confidence in him producing wide receiver two numbers. So I'm in on Jerry Judy. But my guy's Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is gone to the wayside Jamar Chase and T Higgins are getting the hype they're going probably two and a half three rounds before Tyler Boyd that should not be happening listen most quarterbacks target the slot more than they do outside 60 percent on average and that's where Tyler Boyd lives last year uh, Joe Burrow averaged 58 percent of his, his targets were in the slot so that right there tells me that Tyler Boyd's going to be in that middle of the field he's going to get consistent targets but forget all that let's just look at the numbers last year 2020 targets in the games with Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, 81 targets, Higgins, 70, A.J. Green, 66. Points per game, Boyd, 13.6, Higgins was 12.4, and A.J. Green, I mean, 12.1, and, and A.J. Green was 5.7. So Boyd at 13.6 right there tells you that his he's the he was the best receiver on the team with Joe Burrow last year, and he's going two to three rounds later. It doesn't even make sense. This kid is going into his prime. He's turning 27 in November. Me and Sky have done a lot of work on age analysis, and we realized that 26, 27 is the peak age for wide receivers. That's when Tyler Boyd is going into. Plus, the numbers last year show that he was Joe Burrow's guy. And finally, Zach Taylor's offenses have been very good for slot receivers. Jarvis Landry's career-high 166 targets came in the season Zach Taylor took over as OC in 2015. So right there, the offense tells me he is good at targeting as middle of the field. Joe Burrow showed it last year, and he's going right now today, ADP, Higgins 53, Chase 54, and Boyd 83. Doesn't even make any sense. What? So I'm all over. T- seventh round, I don't, I don't care in the seventh round. Take Tyler Boyd, and you'll be set. You're getting a, a high-end wide receiver too. That's some great stuff, Bobby. And I'll also tell you, you know, just kind of the eye test. The guy's been around for a little while. Where's Joe Burrow throwing the ball when they're in the red zone on that eight-yard line and maybe it is second and goal and they can't necessarily run the ball? You need someone who's going to be a route technician, right? And that's Tyler Boyd. As much as you think the talent of Jamar Chase is going to happen, you know, the speed of T. Higgins might not work in that red zone. So he's got a great he's got a great floor, at least starting with touchdowns. 
beginning there. And then Jerry Judy, Teddy Bridgewater, not the best quarterback in the world, but he did give Robbie Anderson his first thousand yard receiving season last year. That does mean a lot for something right there. And I think those are both two great guys. Sky, hop in, uh, comment on Judy or Boyd, or give us some of maybe some of your sleepers too post sixth round. I do have a quick sleeper I'll get into in a second. With Judy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater had did support three top 36 wide receivers last year in Carolina. That I think that gets thrown under the, the radar quite a bit. Robbie Anderson um, and, uh, and Curtis Samuel. Samuel. Yeah, along DJ with DJ Moore. Moore there. So I think that is, is underrated there as well. Assuming it's Teddy B, it could still be Locke, I suppose. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is the front runner there. And then to Bobby's point, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins going 24 and 25. They're neck and neck. Right. I love T Higgins personally. Um, but then you have, you know, 10 wide receivers later, Tyler Boyd and Tyler Boyd is kind of consistently becoming like a later round version of like Robert Woods has been in fantasy football forever. Robert Woods is a fifth round pick every year and he finishes wide receiver 13. I mean, like the value is insane. Tyler Boyd, as Bobby mentioned, will be getting his work. I'm all about that value. My guy is a, is an oldie, but goodie. This dude is, this guy is a fantasy football hall of famer. Uh, took a year off, came back last year about halfway through, knocked off the rust, and then was absolutely dominant down the stretch. And that is the one and only Antonio Brown going in the middle of the eighth round. Antonio Brown was the number one wide receiver. If you're somehow new to fantasy football over the last two or three years and you missed the decade of Antonio Brown, <laughs> he was the number one, the number one wide receiver for five years in a row just a couple of years ago before he fell off, obviously had his situation, which we don't need to go into. Tom Brady found him. Tom Brady brought him in. And Tom Brady's not any quarterback on any scheme, obviously. But Tom Brady wants Antonio Brown to succeed, right? He's been living at his house for a while. Like, there have been routes. Took a couple games to get him back in the flow. But once he did, they were absolutely dominant through the playoffs, of course, to a championship. It's going in the middle of the eighth round. So, again, great value and the upside here. You have Godwin and Mike Evans going, you know, in about the fourth or fifth round. Also great wide receivers. But Antonio Brown's going to be your wide receiver four, maybe five, depending on how you draft. There's zero downside to drafting AB and only incredible upside. Even if it's five, six, eight games of the season, those could be weak winning with Antonio Brown's ability still, even in his early 30s. He only played eight games last year, but that 16-game pace, just to get an idea and a reference, 90 catches, 960 yards, so just about 40 off of 1,000. And eight touchdowns, which would have been roughly wide receiver 16 to 20 last year. So, again, you're drafting him as a wide receiver four, like in the 40s, 50s, and he's giving you wide receiver two numbers. Um, we know that he's going to be capable. He wants him to succeed. Like I mentioned, no-brainer, wide receiver four or five with wide receiver two weekly upside. It might feel weird and kind of uncomfortable to draft Antonio Brown because of what we saw with Oakland and everything else a couple of years ago. Look, this man has has – the biggest thing is with A.B., you have not heard anything from Antonio Brown in a year and a half. Nothing. I'm, and that matters to me, right? Because a big thing was him out there spewing and talking and doing all these things. Now you think about who are the other – Michael Thomas is the one talking now. And where is he? You know, not playing. A.B. is focused on football, focused on championships. Tom Brady's giving him a shot of a lifetime again. And I think he's going to make the most of it. This is easily my best value in the middle rounds. Well, a couple of points on that. One – this is probably the last year you're going to be able to get Antonio Brown like that because if he has a great year like you're predicting, Sky, yeah. he is probably going to start talking again. I mean, let's just be honest. It's only kind of a, <laughs> or a he, bit or of a matter of time. Because he's mid-30s. You know? Yeah, no, it's a bit of a matter of time. But you know, you're bringing up a great point because 
you know, the, the chemistry with him and Tom Brady was immediate from the very first few snaps that they played together in New England, and he clearly lobbied to get him in Tampa Bay, and, and it worked out pretty well for them. It was so funny when you were trying to – when you were uh, teasing out who it was going to be, I almost said Marvin Jones. Uh, you were like oh. – yeah, you're like fantasy Hall of Famer. I'm like this guy right here. Nice. Oh, just a little waiver wire, a little yeah. sure of a seven and eighty nine and a tutty. Oh, delicious. We like Marvin Jones. That's I a do. great shout out. He's Underrated a, shout out. He's nice. in a great situation in Jacksonville this year. But you know, Scott, you're bringing up a really, really interesting point, and you know, it was actually on our list, but we're gonna bump it up real quick. Because I want to just weigh in real quick. You know, you seem to like Antonio Brown, Sky. My question for you guys uh, on this panel, and Bobby, hop in on this was the Buccaneers. They got a lot of big names on this roster, right? I mean, there's a lot of things to pick from. It's almost like a fantasy buffet, but sometimes that doesn't mean that you're actually going to get a ton of success because what is fantasy football? You know, target shares. You know, it's yards, it's touchdowns. So when you've got this this crowded room of not just a wide receiver court with Antonio Brown, Godwin, uh, you know, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller on there. You've got a bunch of tight ends. O.J. Howard's coming back this year. They signed Giovanni Bernard. They got Rojo. They got, you know, Fournette. You have the Gronk. Thank you. Um, you know, Bobby, how do you kind of, you know, sift through which Buccaneers player has the most fantasy upside? Or is this maybe a situation where you'd kind of stay away because the pieces of the pie are diced up too much? Well, no, you don't stay away from maybe. Listen, this guy dusted himself off and finished as a t- wide receiver 24 in points per game last year. Yeah, that does, that's unheard of. This guy is a generational talent. Brady wants him. So I don't think you stay away. I think it makes you a little hesitant to draft Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the top half of the fourth round. Because if you look at the 11 games, including the playoffs, when they played together, it was the targets were identical. It's Evans 76, Godwin 76, Brown 74. So for just two targets less, you're getting a guy three to four rounds later And on a points-per-game basis, they're only about one to two points apart. So the value there is for A.B. He's going at ADP wide receiver 40 right now. And last year, he was produced as a wide receiver 24. I think a lot of people are scared off about his age. But like I brought up earlier, me and Scott talked about this a lot. Wide receivers don't drop off until they're mid-30s, like 35. So he's got plenty of years left in the tank. Plus, you follow those targets. I mean, those guys were the three clear alphas in this offense. And then it dropped down to Gronk and other tight ends. So I'm going to stay away from the other guys. But I think the three wide receivers are fine. But A.B. is the guy you want in that back of the seventh, early eighth round. Back over to you, Sky, just real quick. Just your thoughts on Tom Brady, you know, on paper. You look at the numbers. They're they're pretty eye-popping, especially for a gentleman who's thrown, what, 40 touchdowns at 40 years old. That's pretty amazing. Obviously, the philosophy of fantasy football is moving in a different direction, right? Because at quarterback, you definitely want to have some rushing yards. If you can, he's not giving you any of that. And if you kind of look back at the history of Tom Brady, great end-of-year stat lines. But there's always that little area where he'll go maybe four or five games, and he'll maybe only throw four touchdowns in a five-game span. Maybe he'll have a couple of games with under 200 yards. And look, he was great down the stretch towards the fantasy playoffs for a lot of teams, but... Were those teams even in the fantasy playoff hunt because of the way that he played maybe in that midsection? Where are you on Tom Brady? That's a great call. So in the question here, who represents the best value among the Buccaneers players? Again, Bobby and I, Antonio Brown. Although I will throw out another OG and that is Tom Brady. Tom Brady, again, had a couple, obviously he started fading, him and the Patriots started fading tremendously last two, three years, everybody left and whatever. Okay, he ends up in Tampa Bay, rewrites history, gets a championship, yada, yada. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are the two quarterbacks that do not need to rush for 400, 800, 1,000 yards and can still get it done because they're going to throw 35 minimum and probably 40-plus touchdowns. Think about this. 
Tom Brady was, it was his first year with Bruce Arians. Okay. Bobby's gone into depth with this back to Carson Palmer days, the second year in a Bruce Arians offense and the continuity in general between a quarterback and offense and a head coach and an offensive coordinator is light years from year one to year two. And you're talking, this isn't like some rookie trying to figure it out. This is Tom Brady who didn't even hit his stride until about week 10. And then they started playing dominant football. I expect him to come out of the gates right away. And for Tom Brady to throw 40 touchdowns again, no surprise, could even get more than that. He's got a couple of records he's chasing as well this year. So Brady and AB at, in their positions. Now, when you're talking quarterback and fantasy football, I won't go into this too in depth here for sake of time, but there are different conversations. You have single quarterback leagues where you only play one quarterback every week at, at your position. That's major. Then you have super flex or two QB, QB leagues in which you're playing two quarterbacks. Tom Brady in a single quarterback league isn't even getting drafted most of the time because all those other top 12 guys are rushers and everything else, Aaron Rodgers and whatever. Tom Brady for me is inside my top 10 and he doesn't run the ball. That tells you a lot with fantasy football in super flex. If you get him as your second quarterback, I mean, it's, it's lights out. So Tom Brady, absolutely the value of quarterback and Antonio Brown as well. You're bringing up a really interesting point when you're bringing up Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. obviously not just the fact that they're, all of famers and unbelievable and both threw for over 40 touchdowns last year but for me personally when I'm looking at the quarterback position and I'm looking at running backs I still I go back to those red zone short yardage situations and I'm asking myself what are the teams doing in those moments and if you look back Aaron Rodgers I think easily led the league in three yard touchdown passes last year those little flicks on those little rollouts to Robert Tunyon they feasted off that last year and when you're that close sometimes you ask yourself would you rather have the ball in a Leonard Fournette's hands on the three-yard line or on Tom Brady's hands in the three-yard line. And maybe that's where they can overcome some of those rushing yards where if maybe you put up a comparison with, I don't know, a Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray on that three-yard line, you best believe the Ravens are giving the ball to J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards, probably more than trusting Lamar Jackson to make the right decision in those moments, which maybe possibly gives those guys that edge to kind of even the playing field with this league where you got to have rushing yards at quarterback. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor here on Bet on Chicago, Balance 7. So I don't know if you guys have heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was recently reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. Quote Lamar Odom, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out, I always need energy to level up, and I couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Now, here's the cool thing. We've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say you're getting a pretty good deal right there. So what are you waiting for? Head to balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, and get in on this promotion motion while supplies last i know i will and if it worked on him it can also work for you too balance7.com now back to the pod uh, let's talk about the chicago bears a team that if you go online uh insiders and scouts dragging them hating on them all the rankings 25 26 27 28 whatever position groups you want to go to but if you go over to vegas the vegas odds are actually pretty pretty favorable about the bears either winning eight to nine games or making the playoffs. So 
what does it mean and what does it mean for fantasy football bobby we're gonna go to you first you know we're just gonna kind of go through some of these guys a little bit and let's just start with alan robinson i love the guy to pieces but my question for you is is he a top 10 wide receiver and more importantly is he a guy that let's just say maybe you take two running backs in those first two rounds are you comfortable with him as your wide receiver one on a fantasy roster when you get it started top 10 receiver for fantasy purposes i'm gonna say no uh, I'm going to say he's probably, though, right there. I mean, Allen Robinson is probably the safest pick you can make in the back of the third round. Andy Dalton is not a bad pick for this offense. And listen, I, I understand there might be a transition mid-year to a rookie, but we just saw Keenan Allen do really good with Justin Herbert. We saw Tyler Bowe. We just brought up with Joe Burrow. Rookies can support one elite wide receiver. That's fine. So I'm not stressed about the transition either. But look at, let's look at, look at Andy Dalton. So the reason why is I have some optimism for Allen Robinson is look at A.J. Green's career with Dalton. I mean, from 2011 to 2018, he averaged 14.2 points per game and half-point PPR. Ironically, that would have been the wide receiver 10 last year. So there you go. There's the avenue for him to be a top 10 receiver. The biggest thing that's going to happen, though, is the touchdowns. Allen Robinson in his three seasons, his 16-game pace with Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, whoever you want to throw out there, is about six per season, which is not great. A.J. Green with Dalton was 9.1. So if he's able to get closer to that double-digit touchdown range I think he's going to be more of a solidified wide receiver one on a points per game basis because last year on a points per game basis he was about middle wide receiver two but he ended up finishing as a wide receiver one because he plays the most play 16 games so I think he's going to be better this year with Dalton and even with the transits and Justin Fields just based on some of the history AJ Green so I love him in the third round but the question comes you know what? I'm going to kick I'm going to put I'm going to get in the host for a second kick some over to you you're back all right CD Lamb uh, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper. Those are the guys going right around Allen Robinson. My thoughts, would you go with your, I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you going to take Allen Robinson, CeeDee Lamb, Terry McLaurin, or Cooper? Who else? Who, who would you got? So, you know, you're, you're bringing up some excellent points, especially with Allen Robinson. Tons of targets, 90 to 100 of, uh, you know, receptions, over 1,000 yards. But I'm with you, man. The touchdowns is the huge question. And I love my Chicago Bears, and I love Allen Robinson, but if I'm in a draft room and Allen Robinson is my first receiver taken off the board and I'm trusting that dude to lead the way and be that you know wide receiver one for me, I'm a little I'm a little squeamish a little bit. And if you watch the Bears games, it's pretty obvious when they get in the red zone, when they get in those short yardage situations, they love those jump balls of Jimmy Graham. Matt Nagy loves to come up with his quirky little play. <laughs> they're faking it, and they're trying to hand – you know what I mean? And – it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, just get the ball to Allen Robinson, but it doesn't necessarily go that way. I'm with you. I love Terry McLaurin this year. I was a huge C.D. Lamb guy last year. I drafted him in all four of my leagues. Like, like I was just, you know, I was strutting like Mick Jagger back, you know, <laughs> around just being like, y'all just wait. And it didn't really pan out because of Dak, but that's a whole other therapy session. We'll, for another we'll give you credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but no, man, I'm with you. I, I would I would honestly probably take – think about taking some of those other guys just from a fantasy perspective of those touchdowns as opposed to maybe a player that I think might be you know if I'm playing real deal football I'm probably taking an Allen Robinson over a Terry McLaurin but I love Terry McLaurin this year with Fitzmagic yeah. I think that's just a great value it's just sitting right there that's probably where I'm at with that Sky hop in on this one I'm good with him being a wide receiver one top 10 I think he's right on the fringe to be honest with you and PPR I do have a bunch so and I should clear this up if, if people are listening and we're going back and forth PPR is full point per reception and half PPR is half a point. Bobby generally talks in kind of a half point PPR uh, verbiage. And I talk in a full point PPR. So a lot of the same, all the information is the same. 
numbers just change a little bit differently. And for a wide receiver like Allen Robinson specifically, full PPR, he does get a bit of a bump ahead of like a Terry McLaurin, uh, for example, 150 plus targets in the last two years with nobody, no disrespect, my man. But Mitch Trubisky didn't work out. Nick Foles is not the answer. Neither one of them are starting in the NFL right now. They're both backups with no chance to play anytime soon. And that was Allen Robinson's quarterback for the last couple of seasons. Andy Dalton is, as Bobby run out there, much better than both those guys. And if Justin Fields is the truth, which so far in a few highlights from camp looks like he will be eventually, look, he's playing on the franchise tag, right? Allen Robinson could be gone next year. They could also re-sign him if things work out. Bears fans want him back, I'm sure. Dude's a beast. In fantasy football, I do like him top 10. And in uh, PPR especially because he's got that 150-plus target share, which is just – I mean, you're, you're chasing volume a lot of times too with guys like this. And it's not like he can't catch touchdowns. It's like Julio Jones. It's embarrassing the amount of t- touchdowns Julio never got in yeah. his career, right? It's not that he can't catch them. They don't use him that way, and the offense hasn't been dominant enough to get down there. I think it could be this year. Yeah, huge target shares. Maybe the red zone looks are probably something that I'm always wanting from a fantasy perspective. And so far in camp – Allen Robinson and Andy Dalton are getting along pretty well. They seem to be carving it up. So I do like the target shares, at least out of the gate from that perspective. And also just real quick, you know, I've been playing fantasy football for 12 years now, and they were all standard leagues when I first started. Are there any standard leagues anymore? Or it's all half half PPR, full PPR? Your blockbuster card. Yeah, yeah. The the only the only I'm pretty sure the only platform you can play standard on anymore is MySpace. So it's a little bit hard to find. Um, it's funny you say that because I actually had a good buddy of mine today reach out and was like, Hey man, I got my draft this weekend. Can you help me out with some questions? I'm like, sure, send me your roster, your league settings, like give me an idea. We went through the whole conversation. I was like, Oh yeah, is this PPR half PPR? He's like, non-PPR. I was like, Oh, draft (laughs) running backs. Um, not really it's it's it it is fading uh but it is the old school way so there are a lot of people that like it's your traditional approach and people like to play that way but it is definitely fading out oh once you get a taste of that half ppr though no one ever comes back that's what ends up happening in all my leagues everyone's just like let's just try it who doesn't like a little higher of a score and then it just stays that way for forever i want to talk about dave montgomery a guy who finished up the season last year i think in the last five weeks is either rb1 or rb2 in all of the nfl They remade their offensive line. You know, obviously the Bears are dealing with a lot of injuries in training camp, but a lot of those pieces that led to Montgomery's success are going to be in the fold this year. David Montgomery, do you like where he's slotted right now in terms of value? Um, And do you think he can even maybe take a step forward this year? Yes and no. Taking a step forward from from running back four is going to be tough. He also had the ultimate opportunity for volume. Tariq Cohen goes down. You know, they, they couldn't push the ball down the field. And yes, Allen Robinson's great, but Darnell Mooney was overthrown every pass that he got. So they really relied on da- uh, David Montgomery through the pass game as well, which he can do, but I don't think they do that this year with three Cohen coming back early implications. You know, Matt Nagy's saying that he wants to get him 20 plus touches around 300 on the season. Look, if that actually happens, absolutely fire him up. I'm not convinced that it will because, first of all, I can't trust Matt Nagy quite yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's at he's a running back 15 for me. Um, I'm a little bit higher than the ECR, which for anyone unfamiliar is expert consensus ranking. So people in the industry come together and take the average of everyone's rankings. That gives you an expert consensus ranking ECR. I'm a little bit higher than that. I just believe in the in the, the player and the, the potential talent there. But um, with three coming back and 
again, if Justin Fields comes in and they start slinging it downfield more often, that might open holes for David Montgomery, which could be great. But I think they're also going to become more of a, a high-powered offense, which could hurt him in the long run. So right now, I'm not expecting what I saw last year at all. So he feels good in the third, fourth round. I feel comfortable with him as my RB2. Yeah. Not really stoked on him as my RB1 personally. And if he gives me running back 15 numbers every single week with a couple running back fives, if he gets a few touchdowns or a big run or something, I'm good with that. Yeah, I think he's the perfect RB2 for a fantasy team this year. I think the rubber meets the road where he's a rhythm runner, where Bears would give him the ball over and over again on a couple of drives, and he would just be pounding people, pounding people, pounding people. But again, like you said, that flies in the face of everything that Matt Nagy believes in. So what are we to believe and what are we to think as the season moves along? Uh, Bobby, hop in. You know, Montgomery, his rookie year, pretty much uh, solid RB2 status. Last year fell down boards a little bit because of that groin injury that eventually he played in week one but didn't really show out in those first two months. Now he's back in that RB2 conversation. Do you like where he's at, and do you feel like he could be a solid piece to a fantasy team? I think he's underrated because uh, right now he's going as the RB17, but the problem is where he's going. You know, you're going to pass up on your boy Allen Robinson. You're going to pass up on C.D. Lamb. You're going to have to pass on some of these premier wide receivers who have top 10 upside to draft David Montgomery. But it's really a, it's a question you have to evaluate. The second round, like let's say, for example, Tyree Kill falls and you pull the trigger on Hill or Stephon Diggs in the second round. Instead of taking a second running back, David Montgomery's not a bad consolation prize at the back of the third round. So I don't hate his value, but just hard to take him over guys that I love. Like I love Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and, and Al Robinson. But I took a look at this because I wanted to see and understand he had a great season last year. So I looked at the last three seasons to see guys who average between, you know, roughly 14 and 16 points per game and half point PPR. What I found is there is a drop in production about 12%. So they average about 15.2 in the year, and then they drop down to 13.3. Only five of the 17 guys who qualified improved the next year. So not really likely you're going to see much improvement. These aren't the elite guys that fall into this range, but only six of the 17 fell below 12 points. So he's still going to be productive. He's going to probably finish as a top 20 running back. So you're getting value for him. But you want to try to find guys who can exceed their value. And with D'Angelo, uh, Damian Williams now on board, he's a very good running back. Should have been the Super Bowl MVP two years ago. I think he's going to bring this down because opportunity costs. Guy just brought this up. He was seventh in the NFL last year amongst running backs and opportunity share. The prior year, he was down to 59%. The following year, it was 73%. 14% jump in opportunity share last year so if it goes anywhere back to with Damian Williams and Tariq Cohen I think he's a I think he's a good top 20 back but I just don't think he's going to be he's going to win your fantasy league this year I want to follow up with you on something you brought up something really interesting and I think uh fantasy football fans whether it's your first time or whether it's your 12th year or your 20th year go through this every single year and this kind of wraps into the tight end conversation we're going to have in a second what is your philosophy I want to hear from both of you we're going to do Bobby first what's your philosophy on filling out roster need versus looking at the names on the list and you're going how the hell am i taking this guy when all these dudes are on the list right now per example that you just mentioned you're maybe you're looking at your roster and you go shit i took a wide receiver in the first round i need that running back now i'm looking at this list and i have to take player x while these three surefire pro bowlers are just sitting there on the board you know how do you negotiate that in your mind and how do you recommend fantasy football fans going about that when drafts come around? This is a slippery slope, my friend. Okay, so first of all, you have to understand your your actual starting lineup. So if you have to start two running backs, three receivers, and two flex spots, 
that means you're going to have to start probably seven running backs and wide receivers. That's a lot different than constructing a roster that's smaller, like two running backs, two receivers, and a tight end, for example. No flex. So my thing is you have to evaluate your actual starting lineups because taking quarterbacks and, and tight ends early means that you're drafting guys in the eighth, ninth round who are going to be your starters in deeper format. So that's one thing I factor in. The other thing is because the running back is so heavy in the first round, you might get through the first nine picks and everyone's a running back. That means the rest of the draft, the receivers technically are always going to be better values because you're before you get to pick 10, nine running backs are off the board, zero wide receivers. Of course, the wide receiver one's better than the RB10. We have to remember in the back of your mind, you're going to, in the next rounds, you're going to be nine running backs ahead anyway. You're going to be RB20 versus wide receiver 12 and then so on and so forth. So that's a huge factor in all this. You're going to be reaching for running backs no matter where you go if you're drafting in the back of that first round. So that's why I like to go running back early, take the guys at more solidified roles, plus the running back dead zone. Apparently it's a thing, but rounds three through six, stay away from running backs. I've actually tried to incorporate that philosophy a little more this year. So I try to go running back, running back early, focus on receivers in the middle rounds because then you're going to get all those values I just talked about. You're going to get that wide receiver 10 to 12 in the back of the third instead of drafting David Montgomery, who's the RB17, or looking at Josh Jacobs in those ranges. So that's kind of my philosophy for the most part. I'll kick it over to Scott and give you his thoughts. Yeah, Scott, what are your thoughts on we're just going to call this the Mike Davis dilemma? Yeah, Bobby hit it on the head to play devil's advocate a little bit for other people that either do a zero RB approach or just kind of the idea of what that might mean. I think a lot of times when I approach a draft, first of all, you I would never recommend you approach a draft thinking I'm going to do this. Like I'm drafting two running backs and then I'm drafting two wide receivers and then I'm getting Mark Andrews in the fifth round and then I'm getting Russell Wilson in the sixth and then I'll play ball. Because it, it's just not going to happen ever. And even if it does, you still might be passing things up because you're not fluid in the moment. So unless you have like a draft order selected like a month ahead and you can mock draft and study with it, you're going to be kind of on the fly. You need to be fluid. So when I approach a draft, it my draft position matters so much. If I have a top four, top five draft position, I'm going to go with those bona fide stud backs because they're league winners by themselves. If I have a middle piece, I'm going to start thinking about Devontae Adams in my MPPR, Tyree Kill, even Travis Kelsey maybe. Is Nick Chubb going to make sense? And if I'm in the back, I might be looking like, okay, am I going to go like Mixon or do I want to go Tyree Kill? like the separation that Bobby just mentioned of like potentially the wide receiver one over hopefully the running back 10 to 12 to 15. That's a huge difference. And again, if you're a non PPR, then the running back has a massive upside. If you're in half or full PPR, usually at that point in your draft, the wide receiver has a massive influx as well. A Darren Waller even starts to have more value than, you know, Deandre Swift or, uh, uh, you know, somebody in the, in the middle rounds there. So, you got to be careful with when you're drafting and how your team starts to roll out. The first couple of rounds are fun because everybody's great, right? There's a couple landmines in my opinion out there that we try to avoid, but everybody's great. When you start getting a third, fourth, fifth, seventh round, that is when you can really start finding guys like CD lamb last year, right? Justin Jefferson was drafted in like the 10th, 12th round. Alvin Kamara a few years ago was drafted in the 10th round, right? There's guys like that every single year. And that's where it's important to kind of be flexible because if you go in and just automatically draft a couple of running backs, the wide receivers are still great, but there's a big difference in point potential. And if you go the other way and go zero RB, you better start looking for pass catching running backs later in your draft. Kareem hunts, you know, guys like that, that you can, you can uh, get onto because if you get Mike Davis, 
as your running back one or your running back two in the fifth or sixth round, and you have Travis Kelsey and four great wide receivers, that might be awesome. But if you have Mike Davis and some like all kind of second year guys, cause you, you know, weren't playing uh top upside or anything that could be risky. So I, I try to be flexible, but it really depends on the draft position for me in the first couple of years at least. Yeah, especially with that running back. If you wait on running back, sometimes you have to prepare yourself to really start digging in on that waiver wire in the first couple of weeks because you're going to have to try and you know dig out those gems to maybe help you know fortify your roster. Yeah. And you know, what we're kind of talking about is just you're always constantly reassessing value on the competing tracks of what your team needs and what the board looks like. And there's also this crazy human element that's involved where it typically happens more in live drafts when you're with all your buddies. But I think in any draft, just something happens, man, where I don't know in the fourth, fifth round, you know, a couple quarterbacks go early, but then the fourth, fifth round, two more quarterbacks go, and then another one goes. And then you and your head are like, the whole time you're like, I'm waiting until the seventh round because I'm a smart fantasy drafter. And then all of a sudden you start feeling this weird pressure of like, maybe I should jump up because what am I going to be left with? And that kind of sort of throws everything out of whack a little bit, uh, especially when they do a little run on the quarterbacks. You were mentioning on guys that you found in the 10th round that had some great value. We got just a couple minutes, uh, a couple more questions here left with the candlestick kids of the fantasy football podcast. They're also involved with the believe podcast network with sky Guasco and Bobby Lamarco. Uh, I got to talk about Darnell Mooney guys. Now this is probably one of my favorite values. I don't think I'm going to be able to get him in my drafts because I drafted too many Chicagoans, but this was a guy fifth round draft pick last year. I mean, was he even drafted maybe in, in, in most leagues? probably debatable i'm loving his value right now I, I don't have the number in front of me but i'm pretty sure he's still i think in the 110 to 130 uh adp right now overall i love the value he's having a great camp dude's a great route runner and i think he's in for a big season what say you sky yeah 12 13th 14th round depending on your draft he's going about wide receiver 51 right now i am all in on darnell mooney i'm absolutely buying the hype i was buying it last year too out of tulane and then he just got overthrown every pass and looked terrible so thankfully now he's falling down draft boards last year just to let you know how bad it was in chicago his uh pass catching rate he had a 10th he was 10th and unrealized air yards which is basically just it's a fancy stat for saying the amount of passes that he had that were uncatchable and what he could have possibly done with those yardage. He was 10th in the ability, but he was 11th in deep ball targets, which is excellent. Obviously 25% of his targets though, were deemed uncatchable. So three quarters of his, of his passes were catchable. Quote unquote. Is, is Bisky's book going to be called unrealized air yards? The Mitch- I think it's just, gonna, I think it's just going to be called yeah. un, just unrealized. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> Like unrealized dot, 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 I think it's probably, anyway, I'm, I'm all in. Absolutely. Darnell Mooney's a beast. Um, and this is what you don't see a lot of times. Like, look, Devonte Adams needs no help, obviously, but he has never had a number two other than Jordy Nelson. When Devonte Adams was the number two, Allen Robinson will have a true number two and AJ, AJ Brown now has Julio Jones. That tends to actually help bona fide number one wide receivers because they can't be double covered all the time that helps Allen robinson and darnell mooney is now going to get his with the downfield efficiency surprisingly of andy dalton is just fine and again justin fields is a pretty you know quote unquote raw rookie prospect for now but one thing he does have is deep ball accuracy and he gets out of the pocket and can make space for himself which we see aaron Rodgers and russell wilson be so incredible at when they get scared, they get out of the pocket and they find a spot and gear up and chuck a Madden, you know, 50 yard pass. Those are going to be completed much more often this year to Darnell Mooney. I'm all in. Absolutely. 
Yeah, what I love about him the most is he's just not this straight-line runner who caught six bombs last year, and now he's right. on everyone's radar. I mean, everyone keeps talking about how the dude, uh, you know, just really digs in on the details of his routes that aren't just, you know, the the, the long the long game. It's the three-step routes, how to run a three-step in yep. five or six different ways to spring himself open. You know, he's a little bit slight. I think that probably hurt him in the draft process, so health is always going to be a factor. But, Bobby, are you on board with uh, Darnell Mooney perhaps being one of the better sleepers? Or, honestly, just borderline, I mean, just straight-up great value right now going in the rounds 12 to 14. So we have to be realistic about Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's Andy Dalton. We like Allen Robinson. I get that. But Andy Dalton, so I just I was curious to see who how the wide receiver did with Andy Dalton. So – since 2011 with Andy Dalton, the wide receivers to finish on average is the wide receiver 38, which is pretty good. His ADP, like Sky said, right around wide receiver 50. So he offers you some value if that's the case. Points per game, 9.4. That would have been wide receiver 46 in points per game last year. So that's kind of like, yeah, I think he's going to give you some value. But my problem is, is with his ADP is Nicole Hardman going in that range. Give me the wide receiver two for Patrick Mahomes. I don't even know if it's going to be realized, but it sounds like it's going to be. Michael Pittman, a lot of buzz about him. I know Carson Wentz injury puts that to bed, but he's going right behind a guy like Darnell Mooney. And Marvin Jones, you just brought up, I love Marvin Jones. So I'm not going to draft Darnell Mooney over Marvin Jones. So I guess I'm okay with Mooney if he falls maybe another round. I might definitely take him. I'm interested. But just the history, it's not a lot of upside for the wide receiver, too. There was a good season. Like, for example, Marvin Jones back in 2013 finishes a top 25 receiver behind A.J. Green but he only averaged 10.2 points per game. So it might've been a down year for receivers. That's not really going to get it done. So overall, I think I'm going to say no, but I, I like him for this year. I like him for the overall offense. Follow up real quick. I want to hear from both of you guys. So in this scenario, you know, Mooney's in the 12, you know, the 14 round range. Let's just say, you know, maybe the Marvin Jones of the world are gone. You do take a Darnell Mooney. He's not meant to probably be your starter the first couple of weeks of the season because he's your 12th round pick. Are you the type of guy that would think about a long game of you know taking a Justin Fields in that area too as well because we do think eventually he will see the field we don't exactly know when but maybe if you're a guy that ends up with say a guy like Matt Stafford who's oft injured or maybe you take someone you know uh, whatever you Kyler Murray Tom Brady whatever are you a guy that wants to pair up with a quarterback that can use his legs as well like a Justin Fields later in those rounds Again, it's all about format. If it's dynasty, then it's a no-brainer, and you absolutely want Kyler Murray and Darna. Or I'm sorry, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney. Absolutely. If it's a redraft single quarterback league, you're probably not drafting Justin Fields. First of all, you can just wait to get him on your waivers. If you're in some sort of a keeper league and stuff, you want to stash him, cool, or a deep bench. But otherwise, you're not going to do that because ultimately, Justin. And again, we're three weeks away from ball. This could be a totally different conversation in like 10 days. But as of today, Andy Dalton's the starter, all right? Whether Bears fans want that or not. Justin Fields is not going to play until Andy Dalton either doesn't play well, they're losing games, or he gets hurt. If Andy Dalton takes him 4-1 and one or something like that, Fields might just not see the, the, the field for a while, and that's going to hurt your fantasy team with depth. So if you want to take a stab on Darnell Mooney in the 14th round when you got three picks like, yeah, why not? It's only upside. That's the kind of guy you're drafting. Um, but Fields, honestly, I would not. I love the talent. The guy's a beast. He's going to be great for a long time, hopefully. Single quarterback leagues this year, though? No, I'm not. However, I will say this because my boy Justin Herbert was in this situation last year. Nobody drafted him because of Terod Taylor. Terod Taylor gets hurt, then he gets hurt again, and Herbert, you know, ended up breaking all the records in just about 12 real games and uh, set the league on fire as a rookie. So it could certainly happen. 
but I wouldn't bank on it because going in, Justin Fields is not the guy as of today. And over the past couple of years, it always just seems like there's some quarterback that pops week seven, week eight, that just totally flips. It'll a- happen again. Trey Lance probably this year. And I, I was going to say, Bobby, let me throw it to you, man. Uh, you know, Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. If a, if a team, a fantasy team were to take a flyer on one of those guys as perhaps one of those league flipping changes, which one do you probably like more right now? It's going to be Trey Lance. A lot of he's getting a lot of work with the first team already, and the thing is, his team around him: George Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, even the run game with Shanahan. But we've seen Kyle Shanahan do this with RG three. RG three took the league by storm as a rookie. I like knowing in the history that a coaching staff has been has groomed a rookie year one, and they hit the ground and became league winners. That's why I think if you're going to do this philosophy, it's Trey Lance. But long term, you got to love Fields because of the talent. They keep Allen Robinson with Mooney. The Anthony Miller thing seemed a little weird. I guess you could tell us about some insight on that. But Cole Komet is one of my favorite sleeper tight ends with the nice transitions for later. But I love Cole Komet long term, even when Jimmy Graham finally retires. So that's a good core, along with Montgomery and Dane Williams and also Tariq Cohen. So I think if it's 2021, you take the shot on trade. Uh, Anthony Miller's story as short as I possibly can. Rookie year, seven touchdowns look great. 2018, the offense is cooking. Mitch Trubisky is going to be whatever, a bear for life. Uh, red flag number one, the following season out of camp, you start hearing Matt Nagy talk about the details. That's what Anthony Miller is missing next. Details in his route running and discipline. That's the first sign of the dude doesn't know the plays or a nine-step drop is a seven-step drop and you're screwing up, my, screwing up my offense. Stop doing that. The other one in this one wrinkled Bears fans is if you watch enough games, the dude will catch a six-yard pass and he will jaw at as many people as he can find within a 10-foot radius I think he probably committed more unsportsmanlike penalties than he actually came up with big plays in those last couple of years. And then finally, we had this whole situation where we were beating the Saints last year in a game, in a regular season game, and Javon Wims gets knocked out uh, for uh, for swinging at one of the dudes on the Saints, who I guess is a notorious, I can't think of his name, notoriously for rankling opponents. So we get to this playoff game with the Saints, and all week long we're talking about this cornerback and our, our, like, our beef with him, and Nagy's just like, look, we had a big talk with all of our guys that no one's going to do anything in this game. And then what does Anthony Miller do? We're down 6-3 to three with like five minutes left to go in the first half. We're still in that game. He gets kicked out for hitting that dude in the face. Um, it's just all the talent in the world, but you just can't have dudes around like that. And, you know, I did, I did a podcast last year with former Chicago bear, Cameron Lee. And he said for a long time, he's just not a winning player, a talented guy that just needs to maybe get in a new situation and just learn that, you know, there's a difference between being talented and learning how to win football games. That's the story with Anthony Miller. Gentlemen, I got one more for you. Having a great time. We're going a little bit over, but I'm loving it because this is fantasy football. My juices are flowing right now. My blood is pumping. So let's talk about tight ends. Uh, <laughs> let's do it, man. Uh, I wanted to bring up tight ends because this has been happening. It's a tale as old as time. Every single year, there are about three or four guys you can absolutely bank on that are you know known commodities, the Travis Kelsey's of the world, the Darren Wallers. We can throw George Kittle in that mix. Um, those are guys that are a little bit of set it, forget it. You draft them early on. But after that, it is a total crapshoot. Uh, and if anyone can prognosticate who's going to be the five tight end to the 14 tight end by end of season, is probably a millionaire right now. So, gentlemen, I just want to ask you, let's talk some tight end sleepers here. Who are some guys that could be anywhere on this list that you think could possibly jump into that five, no, four, five, six, seven, eight range by season's end? All right. So my guy's Anthony Perkser. Okay. So we're talking deep sleeper. 
the biggest thing I, I like about this offense, number one, Todd Downing was the tight ends coach was promoted. Same thing as Arthur Smith. They keep promoting their tight ends coaches. And I love that. And if you just look at points per game by team, the Titans were third in the NFL last year in producing fantasy points for the tight end position at 39.9 points per game. So the offense is conducive. If you just look at Anthony Berkser and Johnny Smith last year, they combined for 80 receptions, 835 yards, and nine touchdowns out of the tight end four. Hmm. Now, remember, Johnny Smith is gone, vacating 65 targets. The guys that we're placing him with is Goff Swain, Jeff Swain, whatever, 30, his career high in targets, 32. Luke Stocker, career high in targets, 27. So the two guys replacing Johnny Smith combined don't even match up to his 65 from last year in their career highs. These are blocking tight ends. And also, he was used as the slot receiver. He led the Titans in every slot category, yards, receptions, touchdowns, everything you can think of, he led in routes. So he's basically being used as a glorified slot receiver. He's going out, not even drafted. I think he's going to be a low-end tight end one this year. I love the offense, and I love how they promoted their tight ends coach. They love using their guys, so I'm thinking Anthony Perks is my tenant sleeper. I love it, man. That's that's some great that's some great info right there. I also do love that uh, their tight ends room sounds like a group of henchmen that Batman just kicks the shit out of on the regular. Stalker <laughs> and Ferkser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ooh, pow. Yes, yes, Pow. Ferkser, <laughs> Stalker, Sky, hop in, man. Give us one of your t uh, tight end sleepers here coming in. The All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this because I've been riding this guy for a while, and now it's cool, but I'm going to stick with it. It's Adam Troutman. If anybody's in the fantasy world, he's now a very popular borderline out, not sleeper anymore. But I just want people to understand how real this situation could actually be. Adam Troutman right now going as a tight end 15. So, again, in a 12-team league, you're mostly not drafting two tight ends. You just, it just doesn't happen. You don't draft two quarterbacks usually most of the time either. So he's going undrafted like Anthony Ferkser. He caught 15 of 16 targets last year. So 16 targets is nothing to pay attention to. But literally only one of those targets was uncaught. 15 of 16, of course, with Breeze and, and uh, the rest of the squad there when he was in and out. 171 receiving yards and a touchdown last year. So nothing crazy, but somewhat efficient. Jared Cook now, longtime Saint, is also gone. Okay, very effective with the Saints. He is now with Herbert and the Chargers. He's vacating 60 targets. So again, similarly to, to uh, Jono leaving the Titans. Michael Thomas is out for at least a month. And depending on his situation, because the Saints are not very happy with this man right now, which I'm not going to get into, depending on his situation, he could be out for longer than that. And I'm going to put out a bold take on your podcast just for a receipt. I would not be super shocked if somehow Michael Thomas is traded at the deadline. And I know it doesn't make sense on paper, but you just mentioned Anthony Miller being a great talent, not a good clubhouse guy. Michael Thomas is quickly becoming that dude as well. I'll leave it there. Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris are the next man up for the Saints. They have not proven to be the bona fide number one over the years for the Saints. Jameis Winston does favor his tight end. He had a great uh, tight end logs there in Tampa Bay for quite a while. Taysom Hill, we're just not sure because of limited sample size. So, you know, not sure about that. But the history shows with Sean Payton utilizing his tight ends way back in the day. Um, Jeremy Shockey, you know, Colby leaner and og uh, breakout for <laughs> fantasy football and lots of guys over the years though so again with him in a breakout at tight end 15 going undrafted last pick in, in your round zero risk with just putting troutman on the end of your bench even if you drafted like a hawkinson or somebody where you're like eh, if it doesn't pan out i want somebody else grab troutman at the end of your bench zero risk tons of upside this year and in dynasty it's a no-brainer he should be on your team already um 
So I think Adam Troutman's one. Bobby and I have a list of a ton of other guys to mention, but there's a there's a few other guys that the dart throws at. But Ferkser and Troutman, I think, are our top two. These are great calls, guys. Uh, I, I love them. I love the Troutman pick. I love the Ferkser pick. And, yeah, Michael Thomas is an napalm. Uh, Follow-up, and you were talking about pairing them with guys that maybe you aren't so sure of. I've seen in some boards Kyle Pitts is going as high as four. Now, please don't do that, folks. Real quick. quick. Rookie tight ends, let's all just say it together. Rookie tight ends are not good fantasy investments. They're not good fantasy investments. investments. (laughs) Please explain explain to us, you know, what's your take on Kyle Pitts, and is there any chance he could subvert that narrative because he is coming out of college as, I guess, a a, a blend, a hybrid of wide receiver, tight end? What's your take on Kyle Pitts being ranked fourth among tight ends right now? Okay, so ranked fourth amongst tight ends is silly. As a rookie in redraft, again, redraft and dynasty are different mindsets they're totally different conversations redraft specifically it's silly okay you have kelsey and then waller kittle however you want to do it and then he's going about kyle pitts with the upside is going about number four and then you have usually it's about you know andrews and and hawkinson and then logan thomas goddard whoever behind him for kyle pitts to just get you back the value that you're gonna pay for him on draft day just to get to zero with him he has to have significantly the best rookie wide receiver or rookie tight end season of all time. Yes. Of all time. He has to literally be the best rookie wide uh, tight end receiver season of all time just to get you the volume back. Now, your questions are very simple. Can he do it? Could you see it happening? Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Unfortunately, this is what's weird about this. Julio Jones is gone. Calvin Ridley should see 200 targets, but there's still another 150 probably for for, uh, Kyle Pitts, which is insane. So, yes, he could absolutely do that. If he catches 10, 12 touchdowns, which is not impossible with Matt Ryan, right, and Arthur Smith, who we just talked about the tight ends with Ferkser, he's now in Atlanta. He's a tight ends coach. So could it happen? Absolutely. Would it be shocking if he did it? No, yes, because he's a rookie, but it could happen. And in the tight end position, if he gets – 80 catches, 810 or 12 touchdowns, he probably will be number three because of the way the position works. So it's possible. Is it likely? No. That being said, his body type is literally Calvin Johnson playing tight end, which is, it's literally cheating. So you don't know what's, I don't know how to, how to handicap this because all the history says, even the greatest tight ends of all time, they just don't put. They don't have that production that first year. There's a lot of blocking elements that has to keep tight ends on the field or not. You know, there's just a lot that's kind of in the mix there. That's kind of got me scratching my head a little bit. You know, Bobby, talk about you know Sky's point of you know Matt Ryan, the Falcons' offense. You know, they've been breeding tight ends. I mean, they got Austin Hooper, forty million dollars in that offense. You know, where are you on Kyle Pitts? Is he worth the investment or rolling the dice on? So the one thing I will say with Arthur Smith is we saw with John Smith, he was limited because they basically used Anthony Perkser. So they split work about 55, 45% in the target share. So John wasn't even getting made all the work. It was a split. And we could see Hayden Hurst on the field. They can run a lot of two tight end sets, which could impact Kyle Pitts' overall upside. But what Sky brought up, the best tight end season was Evan Ingram. Yes, he finishes a top five tight end, but he averaged 9.4 points per game that season. That's not a difference maker. The problem with Kyle Pitts is you draft Kyle Pitts, the fourth tight end, in the top of the fifth round, you can draft the tight end seven, two, three rounds later. I mean, you could draft Dallas Goddard. I'm a Tyler Higby guy. But whoever your main guy is, you can get them in the double-digit rounds. So you're passing up T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk, and you could draft Dallas Goddard later, but you're going to have to replace him with, like, I get it. Michael Gallup, he has his moments. I know some later guys. So you have to think about it. Forget about the tight end position. Think about who the wide receivers and running backs you're passing on in the fifth round 
And who do you have to replace them with when you can draft a Tyler Higby in the 10th round and you could draft Chase Higgins and Ayuk? So I think that's my problem with Pitts. I think he's going to be the best rookie of all time. But what does that mean? 10 points per game? Is that a true difference maker in the fifth round? I don't think so. I'll add one more thing here before we close off a couple of names, like deep, deep names, right? Over the last handful of years, uh, you think about Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Logan Thomas last year, Bobby called it shouts out to Bobby and also Robert Tunyon, for example, the last two years, those are the guys nobody drafted. Nobody talked about other than Bobby and nobody else was excited about. And they came out of nowhere, had the opportunity to share and made it happen this year. And Adam Troutman, Anthony Ferkser, Gerald Everett, there's a couple of other guys way down the list that nobody's talking to that could spring up and be that guy. OJ Howard is back, incredibly talented. There's opportunity for those guys to come up too. What Bobby's saying is you're passing on elite talent at number four or five pick and not to say Kyle Pitts isn't long-term, but he might not be as a history shows. He won't be as a rookie. You might be able to get tight end six at the end of the day in your 14th round. So for us, the math doesn't make sense. Love Kyle Pitts, the highest drafted tight end, probably the best talented tight end to ever get drafted. He's different. We know that. Uh, but for me, at the at the opportunity cost on draft day, no thank you. Sky Guasco, Bobby Lamarco, and the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast and the Believe Podcast Network, gentlemen. This was rad. I had great. I had great time. Thank you so much for for joining. Um, had a wonderful time. And uh, before we say goodbye, uh, whoever wants to do it, Sky or Bobby, just tell the good audience, you know, some of your socials, the way that they can check out your stuff. You know, there's going to be a lot of mock drafts going on the next two or three weeks. I'm sure a lot of good people would love to have your expert advice. So, so hop in and let us know how they can uh, reach out and find you guys. You got it. I'll do the TCK side and I'll let Bobby do his writing side because he's also a part of a lot of other networks doing writing as well. So my name is Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S-C-O. You can find me on Twitter there. On Instagram, fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod. We also have a TikTok as well if you're uh, one of the, the youngsters getting into that as well. We also have a YouTube page that we're firing up here. we got a couple different things um, that I'm not at liberty to speak of yet, but I'll shoot you a link later, Joey, and you can dish it out to your listeners. But you can find us at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. We're new to the team. We've been doing this since 2018. We got 420 plus episodes. So we're not new to the scene, but we're new to the Believe team. And so we would love for, you know, the Bear Down family to come and give us a shout, give us a rate and review, a like and a follow and a subscribe. We would much appreciate it. So again, follow me on Twitter, Sky Guasco, and look for Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. And Bobby, why don't you give your avenues as well, bud? Yeah, so listen, TCK is where it's at. Gotta love our Believe Podcast. And Joe, we've got to get you on our podcast later, talk a little bit. We're definitely doing that. But yeah, so I do a couple. I do expand the box score. I'm doing my opportunities analysis, basically looking at historical dropbacks plus available targets, giving you a brand new way to look at how available targets should be. Love this analysis. It's dropping tomorrow. Go check it out on Expand the Box Score. I also wrote about, I talked a little about points per rush attempt. That's on Razzball. So go to football.razzball.com. doing a bunch of work on a true value of points per rush attempt perceptions over the next couple of weeks. And I'll be writing throughout the season there as well. You guys know your stuff. This was really great, man. And uh, I think we might all be friends. I would love to have you guys come back soon. I'm more than happy to always come on to your guys' pod and we can cut it up together. This was really great, guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joy Christopoulos was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you check that out with a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Today's episode was also brought to you by Balance 7. Make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. we got tons more content coming the rest of the week, so make sure you check it out. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Until then, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.